Hello, my name is Declan Deneen. Welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode of guests on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another, games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. My guests on today's episode, yes, guests, plural, um, are Mayor Shepard and Reagan Burns, who are uh, together, they, they form MetaNet Software, who are the creators of N and N Plus and N Plus uh, Plus, some of the finest video games ever produced. Uh, and they were an absolute delight. Uh, this is a really, really delightful uh, show. I really enjoyed it. Um, and like, uh, there's there's a couple of kind of uh, episodes coming up actually where I speak to sort of two people at once, and I quite like that dynamic. You know, hopefully it doesn't get too too confusing but honestly this was such a treat they're 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 wonderful people and really fascinating uh sort of video game histories and i think um i probably i'll I'll write this in the show notes as well i'll try and i'll try and put a list together but this is i don't think i've ever come away from uh, recording an episode where i had more games that i needed to go and check out like games i'd never heard of that just sound amazing like they were just full of full of enthusiasm and and a real love of the medium um, I'm I'm still working on the episodes, uh, the, the next Thought Save episode, where I've spoken to a lot of kind of first-time uh, beginning developers, uh, I guess. Hopefully, that'll be done for next week. I thought it'd be a nice tie-in for, for GDC, but uh, maybe I'm being a bit too optimistic. I'll, I'll see how we get on. Uh, speaking of GDC, uh, if you want to dig back into the archives, there's an episode with Chris Crawford, who was the uh, original founder of GDC. He started it in his living room um way 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 back it's probably one of my favorite episodes that episode with chris he is he is an eccentric genius and a, a wonderful person to to speak to so if you if you haven't listened to that episode i would encourage you to to go back and uh, you know obviously i always encourage people to go back into the archives they are they are filled with wonderful people and and wonderful stories uh speaking of of stories the last uh i think i've got reader mail this is very exciting i've got a bit of reader mail um, the last couple of weeks I've been talking about political games and people making political games and I was keen to hear from those people so I got an email from uh, Jasper who is uh, uh, an animator you've almost definitely seen his work because he he does he works on special effects for movies like Gravity and um, Guardians of the Galaxy and he's actually he's going to be on the the autosave episode that I'm currently working working on but he sent me a really lovely email about kind of his his thoughts on politics and games. And there's just a short piece of it I wanted to read because uh, it's about a game that he played as a kid that a, a teacher kind of played with them. And it's just, it's such an insane game, but there's something quite profound about it and I wanted to share. So, one of the most interesting games I ever played was in primary school. Our teacher called it Animal Ball. The basic premise was simple, get the ball over the line. The rules were everything is unfair. So the teams would be mismatched in size and the teacher, our referee, would constantly make deliberately unfair calls. For instance, I might run past you three feet away and he would call a foul. Or for one person, a goal might be worth two points, while for another person, a goal might be worth ten points. It was supposed to teach you that A. Rules are made up. B. Life is not fair. C. Don't sweat it. Keep your cool and keep going. I I just, I, I loved that 
idea of a game and i don't know if his teacher made it up or if it's some kind of classic psychological game but i just i, I love that idea i mean it that example came off the back of the idea that you know introducing politics into games can be tricky because politics and kind of the you know, real world social machinations are kind of you know they're, they're unfair it's not a fair and balanced system you know whereas video games kind of have to be in a certain sense you know to make them uh, enjoyable so he was talking about how you know to in- introduce politics into games you had to kind of break the system to show you know show how how broken the system already is but that that in itself is i think a really valuable lesson that i think games could do much better you know that games that, you know for many reasons games are very comforting you know they're, they're very satisfying reward loops you know you you do something and you are rewarded for it which uh, life life is really like that so i think it's interesting it's an interesting way of kind of introducing the kind of political social world into into the virtual so thanks for that jasper uh, you'll hear more from him in uh, future episodes and you know if you'd like to get in touch please do it's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com uh, you can also follow the show on twitter at checkpoint show or go to the facebook page which is checkpoints podcast it's very important to have consistent branding please do like and uh, share the show and follow the show and stuff as well and as always you know rate and review the show on itunes tell a friends whatever you can do to get the word out and get more people listening to the show is uh, greatly appreciated and if you're a really big fan of the show there's a patreon page which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints if you have the the money and the inclination uh, all donations are very gratefully received and are used to make the show as good as it possibly can be um but thanks as always for downloading the show i hope you enjoy it i hope you continue to enjoy it I'll be back next week with a new episode and a new guest. But until then, let's get on with the show. Um, okay, well, let's, uh, for the sake of, of formality, I will do, uh, I will do a, a formal introduction. So, uh, Reagan and Mir, welcome to the show. Uh, if you don't mind, would you introduce yourselves? Sure. So I'm Mayor Shepard. I'm half of MetaNet Software. And I'm Reagan Burns. I'm the other half. Okay. I don't know. If <laughs> Do we you should, want more should we that? go into detail? You, <laughs> could, you could elaborate if you like, but that's that's totally fine. Like because we will we will get to to all sorts. I'm going to try and keep it, um, I guess, relatively structured with uh, because there's two years, so it doesn't get too confusing. But please, you know, don't hesitate to like jump in and interrupt and chat about stuff because it's quite exciting so i suppose we'll start somewhere in the middle i think so how did uh how did you guys meet and kind of form the the company so we met when we were both in university of toronto um in first year taking a java programming course um and i think we both like kind of dabbled with programming before in high school or when we were kids but at least for me, that was maybe you took a class in high school, Reagan. But at least for me, that was like my first proper programming class. So okay. yeah, we didn't we didn't do much like that. High school it was like Q Basic, and yeah. mostly we just played Nibbles and Gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and then we so we were just taking general programming, which software programming is generally pretty boring. Um, yeah. And we both discovered pretty quickly that we liked games, and that was a lot more fun and exciting obviously but that was definitely something that i think like brought us together so 
we started playing a bunch of games together and we, we, you know, worked on homework and assignments and stuff like that together too. But we then discovered that we also were taking a lot of other things that we had in common. Like we were both taking film and, um, basically we had all these other interests like art and things like that, that we eventually figured out we could kind of combine into all the things that you need to make a game. So we just sort of started playing around with that and that idea, just trying to figure out what that would look like for us. And what, yeah, what, we, what, oh, sorry. what, what year was that? Like what sort of period was this? Oh, uh, uh, like 1998 to 2002 or three. Yeah. Okay. So that's like, yeah. this sort of comes up a lot about, you know, the, the waves of, you know, how games are developed. So, you know, very early on, a, a lot of teams were, you know, they were super small because the games are super small. And then, you know, they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think kind of late 90s, early 2000s was kind of the the, the kind of last crash when it was just mega studios. And, you know, there, there wasn't really a huge kind of indie scene. I'm sure there was one, but, you know, certainly not yeah. what happened a few years it, later. So did you have mm-hmm. that in your head kind of thing of like, oh, well, we could uh, do this? It's, it's funny. Like we it's it's really strange to hear you say that and like because like i guess we're in like a parallel universe (laughs) okay uh because like we had like old computers like old pentium 90s and stuff and uh we didn't really play triple a games like i i don't think either of us really had consoles i had a genesis when i was in grade five but that was our first one maybe that's early but yeah so like so most of the games we were playing it's it's because actually right around 2000 was kind of like the the heyday of uh, freeware yeah and so it was all like there was a really great website called home of the underdogs okay uh, that it was like a lot of abandonware like you know old like 80s games dos games and stuff but then they also had a bunch of freeware mixed in and it was a lot of like mostly european like i remember like a couple finnish games and stuff and uh and the the freeware it's like made by one or two people it's made by students um, and th- that was really what inspired us was that we were kind of really enjoying a lot of these games. Like some were made in like click and play, uh, or like was multimedia fusion around anyways, it just kind of like really freeware was booming from 2000 to 2005 or six. I think it was like really, uh, there's just lots of great games getting made. And that was really inspiring to us. And we, we kind of didn't, weren't even aware of the industry, uh, because we couldn't afford, yeah, a console, and our computers <laughs> couldn't play anything modern. Like, oh yeah, uh, I didn't even have a computer until first year at university, like of my own. Yeah, but, I, I yeah. remember we got an iMac in like 2000 and 2001, and I could finally play Quake Three, <laughs> and I was like, wow, it was. Like That's quite interesting world. though, because yeah. I remember like, whilst there was, you know, there was a certain amount of flash games as if I remember. One of the things that I really remember from that period, for for exactly the same reasons, like I didn't have a lot of money, I couldn't really afford the latest consoles, but. I had a computer and that was when I first discovered emulation and it was like, oh my God, suddenly I can play like all these amazing arcade games and really sort of dig deep and find weird, obscure gems. And I, yes, I, uh, I remember thinking that was impossible that I could download Double Dragon and it was like two <laughs> megabytes. Like, how can it be so small? It's the best game ever. Right. Yeah, I, that reminds me, actually, we were we, we were playing uh, ZSNES a lot. Uh, yes. Like the, oh God, so good. Of- um, and even uh, because I like I was living at home and Mary was in a dorm for a couple years, so we would play Tetris Attack like over modem. Oh, it was great. Uh, oh, wow. And Bomberman. Yeah, and Bomberman. Um, and yeah, it was like because because neither of us really 
had consoles. Like, I didn't have any consoles. They weren't allowed in my house. And Mary had a Genesis. So we kind of went through a lot of Super Nintendo, uh, mostly Super Nintendo games. Yeah, together. Yeah, and, like, also all the, like, classic, like, PC adventure games. Oh, that was great. Um, yeah, yeah, I wanted to, like, uh, in your list of questions, you asked what games we played together. And that was definitely something I wanted to talk about just because we had such a great time playing adventure games. Like, you mean, like, yeah. point-and-click style games? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like, the, the tentacle specific, yeah. like, that one jumps out, and, like, the Monkey Islands, and some of the Sierra ones. I played the Sierra ones as a kid, but I hadn't played any of the the LucasArts uh, games. Yeah, so and I had when you say played you, you played them together, though, um, is that, like, over the phone? Like, if you're in different places, or are you just... Oh, no, 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 no. Like, I, I would just hang out in Mare's dorm. Yeah, right, by that okay. time, we were hanging out a lot, yeah. so... I do like the idea of playing over the phone with each other. Though. There's something <laughs> quite quite magic about that. Um, well, well, let's let's go back then, right? So we'll 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 trace trace the journeys to this point. So um, we'll, we'll we'll start with you, Mayor, if I, if if you don't mind. Um, if you can remember, what was your your very first experience of a video game? So it's definitely tough to remember because it was so long ago. Because um, we're old, but. <laughs> We, my parents were teachers and I think they basically sort of, I'm going to say stole, but they probably just borrowed computers from their schools. So they, they managed to have one in our house basically. So I grew up in the country and that was pretty much the only thing that there was to do for me anyway. Um, so I played, I mean, we had a Commodore pet when I was really young and I played really, really, really simple games on it. You know, like I don't even... Like, really simple. Like, I remember playing shell games and, like, tic-tac-toe and stuff like that. Okay. But um, that was also where I started to program because I would get books from the library about programming and, like, make simple games myself. Um, but I think really, I mean, I remember playing a lot of Mac games with my little sister. Like, Load Runner was huge and um, stuff like that. So mostly computer games. Um, but I think the first video game really was sonic the hedgehog when we got that genesis but and they was were that all... just the sorry to interrupt was that sorry. just like a, a a gift like were you asking for that were you like seeking out games or was this just like oh here's the latest toy for kids here's a mega drive i mean i've asked my parents how they got the idea to get us a genesis and i think it must just be that we like i remember the commercials so presumably we were talking about it but I think all my friends at school really liked Nintendo, so I suspect we were talking about Nintendo more, me and my sisters, but then we got this Genesis, and... They screwed you. Well, you know, like, it actually turned out pretty well, because none of my friends knew what Sonic the Hedgehog was, so there was a bit of, like, novelty there, but also, we could swap the Genesis and borrow someone's Super Nintendo occasionally, like, when they would... Oh, that's a good deal. ...let it go, (laughs) and yeah, so it, it worked out, but... I don't I don't know why exactly. It must just have been that it was, you know, this cool new thing and we really wanted to play games. Did you find it quite like, okay. like um like going from sort of like, you know, simple kind of computer games to something like Sonic that to me is, seems quite mind-blowing. Like Oh we, yeah. Were you still I suppose like from the way you've described it like it, it doesn't seem like you were necessarily kind of aware of like the broader gaming world you weren't like actively seeking out games you were just like oh my god this thing has landed in my house and it's amazing 
Yeah, I think that's mainly it because we, again, grew up in the country. We didn't have cable in my teeny tiny town. So we only could get uh, whatever was coming over the air via antenna. So, like, I think we could maybe get one U.S. TV station, but we just had, like, a handful of mostly public Canadian TV. So it's not like we could see all the cool stuff that was out there. Yeah. We were basically, like, if there's something in the library or maybe we, you know, happened to catch a Saturday morning commercial then that's how we knew about things and like kids at school but yeah it was basically just whatever happened to find its way into the house and that like i can't imagine how much of an impact sonic the hedgehog would have then because it's it's still i think one of the prettiest games ever made it's just the, the the colors are incredible i can tell by the way that people talk about sonic the hedgehog these days like it's it's either you played it when you were a kid and you can appreciate it you like get why it's beautiful or you kind of like that um, speed that it has or you think it's uncontrollable and really ugly because maybe you didn't have that close association with it. That's how it seems to me because I do care for it in a way that many of my peers do not. Yeah, I feel like if you if you jumped in at kind of Sonic Adventure, you're not going to have the best memories of Sonic. It hasn't really had an amazing track record. But those that first couple of games were... Sonic 2 in particular, I remember we had had a video that was like stuck to the front of a magazine, like a video game magazine that had like, you know, promo. It was the first level of Sonic 2. And I must have watched that a thousand times. It was like, I couldn't believe the things I was seeing on the screen. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was good. So how, how about you, Reagan? What, what was your uh, first experience of a video game? Uh, I really, I can't remember. Um, like I have a few memories from when I was really young, but I don't actually remember what was first. Like I definitely remember. So my mom was a teacher and she was adamant that video game consoles were just garbage and would rot my brain. So, but we, but we always had like a PC, like starting from the, like the very first, like I think uh, IBM AT or XT and anyways, uh, and so, I, like, I definitely remember uh, there was a game called ASCII Arcade that was okay. essentially, like, half a dozen or maybe, like, eight or ten um, clones of arcade games using just ASCII characters. And, like, Donkey Kong uh, was one brick breaker. And that was actually the first time I played any of those games. And then, like, a long time later, I would, when I started playing the originals, I was like, whoa, this is so weird. Like, because I, I never understood like that these weren't original games uh, so it was a bit that was a bit strange um They've i remember all just been stealing from this ascii guy <laughs> yeah yeah totally it was total rip off uh, definitely the first game i ever owned was load runner so i remember uh that i got it for my birthday in like grade 3 i think so like nice. i don't know in the mid 80s um that was fun and I, I, the other thing I remember is that uh, in shopping malls, so I, I grew up with, like in the suburbs outside of Toronto, and shopping malls would always have those uh, NES displays with like a bunch of uh, demo games. Yes. Like Mario Brothers and Metroid, I remember specifically, because I never figured out Metroid and I kind of hated it, but I love Mario. And like I think Kid Icarus. But anyways, those. And so at any time my mom was going to the mall, I would beg to come along and then I'd just stay at, that, uh, at the NES the whole time. <laughs> Um, and that was really great. And also, uh, one of my friends had a Mac, like in the mid eighties. And I remember playing dark castle, uh, which is just like a really, it's mind blowing, really that game like that. It like, I've never heard of it. 
Oh, oh it's, it's great. It's like a high res black and white, really hard. It's kind of like a proto platformer. It's kind of action adventure. And it's uh, it, one thing is the scale of it. It's just it's so zoomed out and there's so much detail. And it's kind of you can run and you can jump and you can duck and crawl and you can throw rocks. And they're just all it's it's a really wild and adventurous game. Like it's definitely from a time before uh, stuff had kind of calcified and, and become boring. Like when yeah. when games are still wild and being invented. And actually, the, the guy who made Dark Castle went on to make Flash. Like he was the on no way. Flash. Yeah, it's really which I like. I think we discovered that after we'd been using Flash for a yeah. while. Um, so that was another early one. And oh, uh, Space War. Um, my dad was an accountant and sometimes he would take my sister and me to his office on the weekend, I guess okay. to give my mom a break and, and there'd be no one else around and there were all these computers and, but they were all password protected. You couldn't get to a DOS prompt to see what was on there. But one day we discovered that the password for the DOS prompt was DOS. <laughs> nice. And, and then we discovered That's there's a, a space well war spent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that was actually like the, one of the most magical computer experiences was like, hacking the password because <laughs> i think you know we were like i was maybe seven or eight and my sister was like five but anyways th there was a a space war i mean at, again i didn't realize this was like a dos port i thought this was just the game but it was really like we spent a lot of time playing space war oh man that's amazing i i'm, I'm curious as to how long you spent trying to guess that password <laughs> i don't even remember i think the thing is we just gave up and then, like, maybe we'd try it every once in a while. Like, I, I don't really... I, I, I only remember when we finally got it. That, I, I'm so excited for your younger self for that moment. That, that, that would just be so exciting. It was really... It was definitely, like, magical. Ah, oh, so good. Um, so, as, as you kind of um, got older then, like, when do you think... Like, was there a specific game or, or experience that made you kind of really dive into video games and kind of actively uh, pursue it like it, perhaps not like as a career or anything but just as you know this is something that i'm really into now um we'll continue with the order we'll start with me um i can remember okay so when we got that genesis me and my little sister clara started playing everything we could get our hands on and so small town like there wasn't that much around but we would just go to the video store and rent whatever they had so yeah. many many standout games like we really liked aladdin when that came out oh, that was so super good. good um and we played well we played every single sonic game of course and it was it was nice but i can remember playing and i think it was arrow the acrobat when it just kind of occurred to me that people make this stuff like somebody made this game someone and turns out probably a pretty big team made this thing and created all these like landscapes and characters and all that stuff. And Why do you think I that occurred to you? I don't know. I think like I've been trying to think about that a lot since I've, you know, become a game developer, but I don't know. It was just, I never really considered what went into this thing before. And then suddenly I just started to think about that. I wonder so if it had. I, sorry, no, carry on. Oh no. I just. I uh, wondered if ahead. it had like. Um, cause this has come up on the show before with. Um, oh. Not Area of the Acrobat specifically, but the the <laughs> games that first made people think, oh, people make these, and one yeah. of them was um, Day of the Tentacle because oh, because yeah. it has a credit sequence at the start, and it's like, oh. oh right, people people have made this. So I'm wondering if Area of the Acrobat had something similar. 
I'm kind of That's trying to remember the because the style of it was quite kind of cartoony and like I could imagine that it, it doing that like you know now you present it in Era of the Acrobat. That's true. I don't know. But, uh, um, I'll, I'll beat up Zed Snares later. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will too. I don't remember really loving that game actually, but I certainly remember that about it. Um, but yeah, I didn't really do anything with that. I didn't do any programming through high school. So it was not until university that I really kind of came back to that idea. But it certainly stands out as something that was like formative. And then after the Genesis period, I just went on to play whatever else I could possibly try. So in high school, I played a lot of video games with friends and and there was an arcade. Um, I went to school in Brampton, which is a suburb of Toronto or any, I yeah. guess it's its own city also. But uh so there was a mall nearby that had an arcade. So I played a lot of games there too. But yeah, it was really university when me and Reagan met and we really started like tearing up the entire world's <laughs> game collection. Yeah, we like played everything on Game Hippo, which is like a really big freeware game site. Oh, yeah. There like thousands of games. And we rented an N64. And oh played... yeah, I played Smash Brothers yeah, a lot. That was I great. That. Oh man, so exciting. Uh, what about you, Regan? Was there was there a game like or, or an experience before university? I guess that made you think, "Oh, this is I love this." Uh, I mean, I guess I was a bit of a nerd, so I definitely was playing a lot of games. Um, but like I like there are a few like one thing is at, at the start of high school, like the early nineties, uh, I was obsessed with Doom. When Doom came out, it just like I played deathmatch for like an hour or two every night for like a couple years doom and doom 2 uh that was like the first game that's probably the game that i've played the most up until i hit university i'd say uh i just was obsessed with doom the only person who could beat me at the high school was the one guy who played with mouse which i always <laughs> thought was cheating i was so um, and I actually didn't, I, I, pl I played through Quake using just the keyboard without using, like, I was a really, it wasn't until Quake 3 that I finally got on the mouse look wow. train. That's but, intense. Um, yeah, I, there was just something, I, I don't know, I don't know what it was. I think it was, just, I was just so used to Doom. But, it, like, actually, something about that, uh, speaking of, like, the, the, the eye, an eye-opening experience like Mares, is that, so we had PCs. And uh, so I played a lot of shareware, uh, you know, like Apogee games. Yeah. And definitely Commander Keen was like one of my favorite games. And I played all of them. And I remember when Doom came out, it took me a few months before I like I saw like id software. I mean, at the time, I thought it was pronounced ID software, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and, and then I remember like my mind was blown. I was like, holy God, these people have made all of my favorite games yeah, that's awesome. and, and such it's like such a range like from keen to wolfenstein to doom i don't know that that was amazing uh i had a friend like when i was about 13 a friend from windsor that's kind of like it was he was like it was like rural and he had a friend who was actually really uh really in the like uh, a pirate ring in the states like the piracy bbc uh, uh bbs's and um as so in actually, wait 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 so this is kind of early 90s, but Pirate, it was still like the Pirate Bay, that, that version of Pirate, not just like, I'm really into Pirates. No, 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 right, no okay, like, like Piracy. Like he had every, he had every game 
ever. Like they had like a wood shop in their garage and he made like a cabinet to store all these three and a half inch floppies. And he, really? he just had rows. He had like literally every game that had ever come out. Um, and he actually, his friend even had Windows 95 before it came out. I remember, <laughs> I remember like going over to his place in like, I guess it was 94. And like, he was like, you got to get in the car. We're going to my friend's house. He's got the like Windows 95. And I remember like, it was like mind blowing. It sounds like a character uh, from some sort of like 90s sitcom. Just like yeah. literally the games master coming to my, yeah. my, my shed at the bottom of the garden. That well, it definitely like that definitely exposed me to so many games because like in Toronto, like I didn't have a lot of money, so it was mostly just like the demo part of shareware games that I was playing. Um, but uh, yeah, through him, I I played like a lot of like early '90s, late '80s DOS games. But I like I think after Doom at the start of high school, I kind of drifted out of games and I, I got more into music and stuff. And it wasn't until university that I really. Like, definitely when I met Marin, when we started playing Freeware, that's when I really felt like I'm into games. Like, before it was just, like, I liked them, but I, it never yeah. it never felt like part of my identity, really. Yeah. Um, also, like, a lot of... I have a lot of good memories playing, like, uh, Super Mario World with my friends. That was awesome. That was my favorite kind of... Um schoolyard discussion super mario world because of the amount of secrets in it like that oh, yeah. game lasted about a good half a year of playground discussions of did you know you could do this and did you know how to find that level um yeah it, it was so exciting i don't so think cool. any game has done it better uh it's yeah definitely that's that's like a really inspiring game i yeah. don't think it's possible to do that anymore because of the internet like uh, i know exactly I, w I wouldn't finish a level until i rinsed every single secret exit <laughs> it's that that yeah. terrible thing that we sit with the laptop next to you with the game facts open because um, <laughs> you know you don't you don't want to miss out on anything you want to oh everything. definitely and yeah. also they've probably got more games i think super mario probably was the only game i had for about half a year so it, it was fine to wring every bit of magic from it yeah so if, if you weren't kind of like you kind of rediscovered or or you know uh, double down on this love of games while at university so what kind of what did each of you sort of plan on doing when you went to university did you have any kind of goal in mind that was just like oh see see what happens yeah I don't think I really had a goal at that time um, I knew I wanted to take programming that was important to me but I was also taking art and um, I guess at the time I was taking some language courses and sociology and psychology just like scattershot, like wasn't really sure what I would really do with it. But I knew what I liked and what I wanted to, you know, try to figure out. How come you um, got to do so much stuff? That sounds amazing. Uh, well, the other thing was I wanted to go to U of T, which is like traditionally kind of a, a science-y school. But, okay. and I was, I'm more on the arts side, but it, it allowed me to have that kind of those options like if I wanted to go into sciences I could totally do that there and it was downtown so I knew that would be a lot better than some of the more dedicated art schools that are you know not downtown yeah um but basically I took a major and two minors so you get to take pretty much whatever the hell you want it's great that sounds amazing I wish I could well, have done that yeah because you I mean who the hell knows what they're gonna do oh is it okay to swear yeah it is, absolutely right? is okay, okay good. of course um, these aren't even bad swears, but you never know what will happen in half an hour. Um, but we, like, I just really appreciated the 
opportunity to take a bunch of different things. And there are like lots of elective courses that you could sort of piece into whatever to various minors. Yeah. And that really helped because I don't know what I'm doing. Like I was 18 or whatever, 17 turning 18. So no, it's yeah. crazy. And, you and as you said at the, at the start, like all of that stuff will inevitably feed back into games. Games is one of the best sort of examples of, you know, pulling from every art form essentially to make a, a new thing. Yeah, yeah, it was really when we realized that we were like, "Hey, all right, yeah. that that sociology course I took last year is totally paying off." It, we definitely <laughs> inadvertently stumbled upon that. It wasn't on purpose. Yeah, because when we were in university, games were completely not a thing. Like game development as a career was not a thing. Yeah, there were no studios in Toronto. Oh we no, didn't, we hadn't heard any. Like we we did not know anything about the industry. And were there Canadian developers? I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. there, there were. We just didn't know about them. Yeah, we didn't really know much of anything at that point. And yeah, U of T was hostile to games. We tried to do games. In computer in, science. In, yeah, in computer science. And all the computer science profs, they're all, they're actually, a lot of them are ex alias Wavefront, like the people that made Maya and stuff. So they don't care about real time. They yeah. only care about like spend a week to render one frame and make it look really good. And so they just would laugh, like they, they were not interested at all in games. But were so, they interested we in games, were they interested in games just in the abstract though? Like would they play games? Or was it just oh, the development know. of them? I don't they, know. They didn't like? I don't, like they yeah. seemed very stuffy. They're very... Yeah, whenever we brought up anything like that, we would just get nothing back. Yeah. I feel but... like computer science people would love games, but okay. I know. But not not because the, the thing is they're like really into rendering and it's, they were into it as a, a like like they're respected. serious academics yeah exactly yeah. definitely okay, like okay. games were looked down upon a lot and now of course there's like courses on games at u of t it's really changed but at the time we, but we did end up uh we did end up figuring out how to make games because we discovered the visual arts profs were way more open-minded oh yeah they were all into that it was great so oh, we did amazing. independent studies in art, and we, which is a basically you kind of get to write your own course and uh, do, you know, you have to have a justification for it, but you can basically sort of do whatever is most com compelling to you, which is great. And then we did some interactive art experiments in other courses too. It was really, it was fundamental. What are some of the, I'm interested in some of your interactive art experiments. Do you remember any? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I, um, I made, <laughs> I made a game called City Defender that was kind of an art based project. Like I, it had sort of a, um, a, it, so it was about robots defending a city, obviously. Um, and it had a dance based algorithm in it that was, was sort of hidden. It was like something that you would kind of discover during play, ideally, um, so there are like ways to, um, I guess it was, it was just like a whole bunch of hidden things that you would have to kind of try to uncover. But Reagan made this really cool, um, it was just like a little like 3d, it was in flash actually, but oh, yeah. it was just kind of like, um, like, like a series of experiments. Yeah. Just like a bunch of little like animated dioramas just made out of dots. Dots, like simple shapes made out of dots in 3D where the size of the dot was scaled to to give the illusion of depth. Okay. And just like kind of and like you know just abstract mathematical forms uh and, and motions and you could kind of manipulate them a bit. Um But yeah. how how was like without the kind of the 
the, the tacit support of the the university like where where were you kind of learning this sort of stuff were you just digging into the internet and just teaching each yeah. other stuff oh yeah it was yeah, it was 100 percent the internet i mean we learned like basic programming but when we we tried we started trying to make games like a couple years into university and we discovered that we didn't we didn't even know where to start because all of the computer science courses we took were kind of like they would tell you what the problem was and then you'd solve it right and that's really easy right because the hard part is defining the problem yeah, yeah. so when you're when you're starting so uh, that was just a huge learning experience and it was all the internet definitely uh, flip code it was a, a game programming forum and that that had like a lot of tutorials it had forums where you could talk to people and like ask questions and stuff so it was basically we just taught ourselves we had like basic programming knowledge from university but everything about how do you make a game really came from the internet yeah and i mean i was the same as mara like i did a triple minor so i'm even more of a <laughs> like all over i think so diverse yeah yeah you it, have a diverse education in the end i believe i took courses from eight or nine different i know like, which fields. is amazing <laughs> like yeah but if you're able know. to do that i don't see why why you wouldn't yeah, yeah I mean, that'd be amazing. Really, my girlfriend did the same thing. Yeah. My girlfriend and we're both in the same country. I grew up in in Wales, and she but she lives in Scotland. But in Scotland, you seem to be able to just do a bunch of stuff. I think over the course of her degree, she she did like astronomy and Eastern European literature and uh, the awesome. history of architecture, just like loads of. And she ended up with an Italian degree at the end of it. It's crazy. <laughs> wow, amazing. I just did English. I had to, I had to pick, and I picked English, and I did English. Yep. I, I was supposed to do a major in computer science, but I got, I mean, at the time I didn't consider it lucky, but you needed a 65% or higher grade in first year calculus. And I got like a 50, like, I think I failed and they bell curved me in. So I got <laughs> kicked out of the major, so I could only do a minor. So that it was actually like a blessing in disguise. Cause I like a lot of my friends were doing even beyond major. There's like a specialist who's like a super major. And it's like the, the workload, even for a minor was insane to me. So mm -hmm. I don't, I was glad to, uh, and I don't know, and like, yeah, and we didn't really, yeah, I, I, I didn't have any idea what I was gonna do, really. Uh. Well, it's good, it's a good job you met. Um, yeah, and and since like you know you you talked about how you've both kind of you know discovered all these same interests and you started working on stuff, but just kind of outside of um, like the the two of you, like was there. A kind of broader community of people that you would play games with were games a thing on campus not necessarily the making of them but just you know oh hey here's a bunch of people we can all redefine who we are i'm into games me too cool uh there were definitely a couple other people that were into games that helped give us the idea that we could make games like people who had made games in high school uh and it was like that were kind of inspiring to help to, to show us but I don't mean necessarily of, even making games. I just mean like people oh, playing games. games. Yeah, just a bunch of people. Like, uh, was that a I community thing? It's like you know the general like GoldenEye and Mario Kart and yeah. like stuff that's fun to play in dorms with people. But I, yeah, and I think when we we moved to this house um, where there were like six other students living when we were in <laughs> oh I think crazy. it was two thousand and one, and so yeah. we we played a lot of games there with them because it was it was just nice. Like before that I was in residence, like Reagan said. So we, those were kind of a bit more segregated. Like our rooms weren't as 
there was no, I mean, there was communal space, but people didn't hang out there in the same way. And there certainly weren't consoles or anything. But when we yeah. moved to that house, people brought their consoles and like we got together more and play games more. And that was fun. Yeah, actually, uh, my our friend Colin and I uh, started playing NHL 2001 yeah, in 2001. the year it came out. Uh, <laughs> and we actually have kept playing it. Like we just played it a week or two ago. Like we we do playoff <laughs> series like a few times a year. So good because it's really the best one. Like after that, it got really too realistic and not fun. Um, and the ones before, like the the Genesis and Super Nintendo uh, NHL games, they were great, but they were a bit too simplistic. And 2001 is <laughs> this awesome sweet spot where it's arcadey and fun, but it also it's it's really deep. Like it's incredibly like we as we discovered, like you can play it for years and there's still new tricks to find what platform is that even on how do you how do you keep playing oh uh, just playstation playstation one so like once our playstation ones died it runs fine on playstation 3 thanks to backwards compatibility so that's oh, amazing yep oh, we still I... got like the old save file <laughs> do you have like a tiny little trophy that you pass back and forth every time yes you play? actually we call it the chalas <laughs> it's like a it's like a glass goblet it's beautiful uh, I think originally it was like full of beer caps, but we we don't drink as much these days. He's got a kid, so. Oh man, that is amazing. Who yeah. is the Who is the current champion? Uh, I I think him by far. I was pretty good early on. You won last time. I did one recently. I, I, there's been a resurgence in the past couple of years, but like there was a good span of like eight years where he was almost unbeatable because he knew, there's this secret slap shot technique he had that would always beat my goalie. Um, it was a really, it's a, like a really interesting arms race because when he started doing that, then I started taking manual control of the goalie to block him. But then <laughs> when when someone has manual control, the AI goalie is actually way better. So you can, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, a long story that I this is, this is a whole episode in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. This, this long history of NHL. That's amazing. I, I wonder if like, if you could beat anyone, I wonder if you're like the two best players in the world at NHL 2001. Um, actually, really funny story. I think like five or six years ago, um, he like this is not actually my story. It's he he was out with friends or he was at someone's house and uh, they had NHL 2001 and someone challenged him to a game and so he he like was so confident because of all his experience. So he told his friend to bet on me, I'm gonna win, and he got destroyed Be um, because. We discovered, like, we play in a really specific way that looks a lot more like American football oh. than hockey because we have penalties off and uh, they were playing with penalties on. So he discovered that it actually it makes a big difference. It's like, <laughs> like we have a like the metagame for us is we play playoff series of seven. So the first few games, it's all about trying to injure the maximum number of players on the other team <laughs> to make their roster way worse. Uh, we got to stop talking about NHL, but yeah, it's it's definitely a very fascinating game. Oh my god, that's an amazing story. But so you know, aside from NHL, like, were there any? I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> from from my own personal sort of uh, story. When I went to university, like, I actively sought out people that played video games, and to be fair, there was hardly anybody at the start beyond you know people playing. Goldeneye and stuff but then I, I remember when Halo came out that became a thing and everybody played Halo and that was that was amazing for, for, for a little while 
I, I know like a couple people in that house we were staying in had like uh, ultimate online addictions. Oh yeah, that's right. But we never really got into that. Like it wasn't like, I don't think we really did play a lot of games with a bunch of other people. Well, yeah. Cause we rented, um, or I guess we were buying used games on eBay at that point. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when we were playing Wipeout. Oh yeah. Wipeout three. That yeah, was amazing. And Tony Hawk. We played a lot. Oh, yeah. Of, um, okay. and like stuff like that. But, I yeah I feel like Colin and Andrew played the most games yeah. in the house. Um, it was kind of more solitary, I guess. I guess so, but there were definitely some, like a couple of people would play. Oh, like we would. I think occasionally we had Crash Team Racing. Tournaments. Oh yeah, that's true. That was oh, Crash Team Racing. I think that's I ever know. come up on the show before. Oh really? Oh, it's so good. It's, I love Crash Team Racing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I don't know exactly why. Like Reagan and I were talking about this the other day because um, I really love that game. I've never really gotten into the Crash series, but Crash Team Racing is amazing. Whereas I don't love Mario Kart that much. Like it's good, but it's just not. There's something about that game at that time when I was who I was then. I guess that just really resonated yeah it was just perfect everything that was is, perfect. that is a bold I, statement do you mean like mario kart 64 or just in any general? of them oh my goodness <laughs> oh, oh my yeah. goodness i know i know <laughs> like it surprises me too because i own several of the mario kart yeah. games but i would play crash team racing any day over any of them i think mario kart's a bit slower and then you also have to contend with like the blue shell bullshit which well but crash team racing has that too oh really it has like a little uh um, it's like a white sphere, like a white orb, I guess. It will take out the first player. Okay. But I, maybe it just doesn't come up as much. It doesn't seem as cheap, for sure. I think that's, without question, the most controversial thing ever said on the show. Um, you know, t- talking about, you know, Crash Team Racing and, and Wipeout, and, you know, this is the, the sort of PlayStation era, and you were also kind of digging back into all these old games and stuff. Like, were you as excited, I suppose, with the, 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 the latest games as you were about uh, the older games, if you see what I mean. I think, well, I mean, I think we were more interested. Uh, it's hard to say. Like, yeah. they had such a different character. But one thing is that we were playing these games in, like, 2001 and 2. And there, so it, we were already kind of, like, a few years behind the curve. Yeah. I guess uh, I guess what I'm, the, the, the kind of, the, the, the thing I'm, I'm grasping at is just, uh, were you kind of, I mean, obviously you were, but, like, getting more excited about the, the potential for games. You're like, oh, we could make these things, you know. And and but not necessarily a wipeout or a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, but you know something like some of the older games you were playing. I I think like around two thousand three and four is when we kind of veered from mostly PlayStation and console and got even more into freeware. I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I sort of feel like the two things. I I don't think I even viewed them as the same. Like I don't think I really connected wipe out with like any of the click and play like i mean i guess abstractly they're all video games but to me they seem like so different you know it's kind of like going to see a symphony orchestra versus listening to a cassette of some rock band kind of like they just seem like totally disparate yeah totally um yeah that's weird i i but i mean there was we certainly when we played wipeout three we were like when the intro started uh i think we watched it 35 times in yeah a row. and it's so good because we were oh, like it's amazing 
oh my god like, like how did they do this who made this why does it look like yeah. nothing why doesn't everything look like this it's so it was just yeah it was mind-blowing so and we definitely connected like this is something that we haven't really seen a lot of this is exciting we want to see more of this in games with maybe just a hair of like maybe we should like maybe we can do something like that yeah. which we've recently gotten back to and finally i think accomplished with m plus plus but it's just like yeah i agree it was very different it was like when we were playing games on the computer it was easy to say like oh i could we could make something like this we could totally this is something that's within our wheelhouse but with console games it was very different seemed more and i guess at the time like digital downloads didn't exist so it seemed like way out of our league yeah there's yeah. something that and shipped in from another country somewhere it's not so that people yeah. don't make that i yeah. think like the 2d 3d thing must have been a, a factor too yeah like, that's true like 2d is definitely like you can look at it and it's easy to understand exactly how it works and what how you could make it versus like 3d like where do you even start yeah absolutely <laughs> it's quite interesting though because if, if you i imagine like a game like wipeout 3 you know very kind of flat simple polygons and stuff that that, that would be an indie game now if somebody made like an exact version of that i think you wouldn't think yeah. oh this is an amazing triple a let's think of all the money it's like, oh cool yeah a couple of people probably made yeah. this definitely technology has gotten to the point where like a lot of those things that were took teams uh, you know, big teams back and a big budget back then. Yeah, you you can totally pull off with tiny indie teams these days. So, how how was the? What were your kind of first steps towards making your your own games? Uh, I think we just sort of. So when we were learning about that while we were in school, and we were kind of making little games or parts of games for school, we were also just experimenting with various you know, algorithms and papers and things that we found interesting. So we were like kind of creating all these little parts that would eventually come together in many ways, but I guess predominantly into N, which came out in 2004. So we were working on it, I think like 2002, 2003, but really just it kind of all came together at the end of 2003 and the beginning of 2004. Yeah. I but yeah, we were just making like we worked on a collision detection and physics kind of engine in Flash, and I think a little ragdoll. Yeah, simulator. yeah. Uh, there was a paper by uh, Thomas Jacobson, who he presented at Game Developers Conference 2001 about how he did the physics in the first Hitman for the ragdolls. Okay, and that that was like the first paper I read that. I mean, the thing is, it wasn't a paper, and he. He explained these really complicated things in a really easy to grasp way. And that really inspired us because it let us start writing little physics simulations and, and seeing like, oh, it's not actually that hard. But yeah. yeah, I think like over those few years, it was just like just a bunch of little tech demos. Like we must have written two or three different or three or four different like little platforming systems and just learning. Never We never actually made a finished game until N. Like, N was essentially, like, we are we felt like, are we ever going to make a game? It's been years. We've been trying to make a game. Could we please just pull all the things we have laying around together somehow? Yeah, because I think we didn't really start out ever with a very clear plan of, we are making this game, and here's what's involved, no. and here's all the components and the mechanics and whatever. Yeah. It was just, hey, this is cool. Let's try to make that. And then 
this is cool too. Like we made a, a drunk guy on roller oh, skates. Oh yeah, drunk guy on roller skates simulator. <laughs> which that was, sounds I mean, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it hilarious. Was kind of, it was like a screensaver. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It didn't make it into N, obviously. No. But it was still it was just like an example of the kind of silly little thing that we were playing around with, and then eventually we were able to kind of cobble together a bunch of the experiments into something that made sense. I mean, like not everything made it into N. Like we had a grappling, a little grappling hook tech demo where you could like, it was actually, it was like inspired by uh, Umihara Kawase. I don't know. It's like an old uh, Super Nintendo and PlayStation game that only came out in Japan, but they've re-released it recently. Uh, it's really cool. Really interesting. Grappling hook. Yeah. Games um, with grappling hooks are generally good. Yeah. Like they, they, there should be more grappling hooks in games. It's hard. Like we've tried a few times to make a grappling hook game, and we honestly, yeah, we definitely it's it's on our list. But there, it's I don't I can't even think of one that feels like they nailed it. They all every grappling hook game has some kind of awkwardness and flaws. But definitely Umehara. Definitely check out Umehara Umehara Kawase. Uh, it's like it's mind blowing that they got that physics happening on a, on a super Nintendo because it's like you can, the grappling hook will wrap around tiles and the tiles aren't just square. They're like angled. And it's like, you can grapple onto an enemy and shove them off the edge and then jump off the edge yourself. And you'll kind of dangle like a pendulum with them. Oh, it's, it's, it's that does sound really good in my head. Bionic commando on the, on the NES is still perfect, but I'm sure if I revisited it, it wouldn't be. It's a classic. It's for it's sure. definitely like it's it's was super mind blowing, but I feel like it's very stilted. The way that the physics work are it's very binary. It's you know it's not it doesn't flow. It doesn't have inertia the way Mario does. Oh, see now that's I definitely will. I'm definitely misremembering that because in my head that's exactly why I loved it so much is that it had oh. that sense of inertia and flow. Like the, when you sw- you do finish a swing, you have that little extra little jump before you landed. There's, I mean, there's a bit of that, but you you should really check out Umihar because like it, it's especially speed running for that game is crazy because it it has like true physics where you can just launch yourself right across the screen with uh, like by just deftly uh, manipulating the physics of the oh, grappling. That sounds right up my alley. I'm definitely gonna look at that. Um, nice. So. Was there was was there another game before N, or was was there like a a game that kind of got quite far along, and you're like, actually no, let's let's try something different, or was N kind of the first kind of fully featured game where all these things sort of coalesced? Yeah, not really. N was definitely the first one that really came together. Like that we, we did, yeah. yeah, we did make some things in Every- university, but not to the same degree. Like they were more sketches demo. yeah sketches is a good way of putting it um okay. we did think that n was going to be a stealth game when we first yeah, started when the first like it was initially conceived as like a slower paced yeah like you're a ninja you're hiding in the shadows yeah and stealth then... platformer you'd like uh i mean it's kind of like what mark of the ninja ended up being in that okay. you spent a lot of time hanging out in the corners of ceilings and dropping on people but once we had the physics of wall jumping and stuff happening we discovered it was way more fun to just move around quickly and be acrobatic. So we were like, all right, screw, screw the self thing. Yeah, it's all about being able to pull off that crazy stuff that makes it feel super good. Oh, man, so good. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit worried now that I'm, I'm a complete idiot and I'm only just realizing this. Um, but does N stand for Ninja? 
Uh, sort of. It it's, it's basically it's, does. Yeah, yeah. It, that essentially it was called Ninja secret? Game while we were developing this... it. No, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. It's like the, I mean, I think canonically the story in N specifies that N is the way of the ninja. It's kind of like the religion of ninjas. Okay, okay. Which is all about collecting gold and beating levels and, and like pacifism and, and stuff. pacifism, no attacking. Yeah. Uh, so. A lot of people think the character is called N, but I mean, really, it it does der- it, der- it definitely derives from the word ninja. So we'll consider that correct. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, okay, I'm gonna try some relatively uh, quick fire questions, but you don't feel you have to answer super fast. Um, All right. We'll start with I'll start with Reagan this time. We'll we'll switch it up. Um, actually, I probably already know the answer to this, or maybe not. If if uh, Reagan, if you had to play a game. With with death for your own mortal soul, which game are you best at? Well, definitely N plus <laughs> plus. Like just this, the number of hours we spent testing it. We're not by any means the best in the world, but oh gosh, no. that's probably the game I'm best at. Second would have to be Luminous. Oh really? Um, yeah, I got obsessed. Like I love that game. I like every version of it. Kind of is worse in some ways. Like, but. Uh, especially like the original version, I could loop it twice with only the left hand, only movement with no rotation. Uh, cause I just played it so much like that. It, that was like, to me, it's just as good as Tetris. It's like literally Tetris for PSP. Like, yeah, I wasn't, uh, I think, I don't know if I still am, but when the PlayStation three version came out, I was in the top hundred on the leaderboards. Nice. That is pretty good. Do you get competitive? Like, would you would you be affronted if somebody said they were better at Luminez than you, and you're immediately uh, digging out your PSP? Going, no, no. I have <laughs> I'd have to train up, but I I I definitely do get competitive games with leaderboards. I'm I I get sucked in. Like I remember pacifism mode in uh, Geometry Wars Two. Oh my god! There were some epic battles between like amongst our friends, and also Chime. Uh, I had I had some good Chime battles with our friend uh matthew kumar but yeah I, i'm pretty competitive i think <laughs> uh geometry wars 2 was a big problem for me i think i probably put an extra 100 hours than i should have purely purely trying to beat high scores and i did but uh, right. i think i think to the detriment of my own mental health at the time oh, yeah um, how about you mate what 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 game are you best at um i would have to say super mario land on game boy um i so I think I was 12 when I asked for a Game Boy for Christmas, and I didn't really think I was going to get one, but I did. And it was, I think they just released new colors, so I got a clear one, which was even cooler, cool. so you can see all the circuitry and stuff. Um, but I played that game, because I think it was the only game I had, a lot. And I still play it every couple of years, because I can play it start to finish, I still die a lot, but I can nail every single jump perfectly, and I know all the secrets. And it's just very satisfying, because... I've already, like, I know I can do it, and executing it perfectly is quite nice. And I think that's part of what we were trying to get at in M++, too. Just that it's something that when you do it well, it's challenging, but when you are able to complete it, it's really satisfying. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's my favorite type of game. Like, the, the, that kind of sense of 
uh, is, is uh, like you know the the version of play that people uh, or the definition of the word play people use when they're talking about instruments and stuff it's you know it's it's like playing your favorite song on a guitar or something you just it's, it's yeah. just satisfying and you know it's tricky and it's skillful but it, you've done it enough it's just going through the motions is is just like like a warm bath it's lovely yeah definitely um are are you competitive um not have you ever as considered much. speed running Super Mario Land? No, I mean I do it pretty quickly because I'm just that good at it at this point. <laughs> but um, no, I don't really, I don't really get into competition as much. I think I'm like maybe I'm kind of competitive with myself in a sense. Like I would want to beat my previous time, but I don't really care so much about beating anybody else's time. Okay. Okay. Um, well, we'll stick with you for now then, mate. Um, has there ever been a game that you've played that uh, you've had to kind of uninstall, delete from your computer because it was just overtaking your life? Um, so I don't think that I've ever really had to uninstall anything because I feel like there's, like it sort of naturally tapers off after a while. Like I would say that the game that mostly consumes my life when it comes out is Animal Crossing. So every... Okay iteration of animal crossing i will play every single day for months um and like hours at a time at first and then eventually it kind of trickles away and it becomes a chore so i sort of naturally stop playing i guess like when you've unlocked everything and when you've collected most of the furniture yeah. that you really love you and know, once you've left it a few days you can't go back because imagine the mess like you, you wouldn't be able to look those villagers in the eye Oh yeah, and they really they let you know that oh, they've God, don't they? missed you. It's a guilt trip from hell. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so I don't really, I mean, I never uninstall it, but I just don't boot it up anymore. Yeah, how about, how, about, uh, how about you, Reagan? Is there anything that you've uh, had to uh, delete? Or funny story, uh, <laughs> Luminous. So we oh, won right. uh, when N was in the IGF in 2005. One of the prizes was a PSP. And that's how we got uh, a PSP and Luminous. <laughs> and so I think it was while we were making N Plus in 2008, I was playing so much Luminous that Mare hid my P the PSP just you, so I would get... I, okay, I, I, did, I asked her to hide it because I was not getting anything done. But she did such a good job that we actually didn't find it for like 10 years. Yeah, we found it last year. <laughs> yeah, we, we found it last year. Uh, but yeah, I definitely that's... That's probably the worst it's been. But I think <laughs> I've I've had like Doom the Roguelike. Uh that's definitely a game like that maybe the game I've spent the most hours playing and it 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 I I've I haven't played it in a year or so because whenever I start playing it I just get super sucked into it and like obsessed with it. Um I don't think I've ever played that. Oh, Doom the Roguelike? It is amazing. It's it's by far my favorite. It's like an actual roguelike. Like ASCII, play it with ASCII graphics. Uh, there are some very beautiful sprites that Derek, you made, but it's it really reduces the playability of the game because you can't see as much. And the game, it's, it's a lot slower paced. Uh, ASCII is the way to go for sure. I actually have a, a favorite font I can send you if you want. <laughs> it, it, makes it, it just makes it beautiful. Like uh, Cornell, the developer... He did, like, the ASCII art in that game is just so amazing because, like, a lot of roguelikes are just so literally, you know, it's like uh, the goblin is a G or whatever. Okay. But he actually did, he did, like, visual puns. 
uh, where like a caco demon is a capital O and it's red. So it's like a big red thing. And just like a lot of things like that, where the enemies and the stuff are represented in ASCII, but they're, it's sort of like little sprites, like just through these little visual puns. It's really cool. Oh, that's just amazing. I don't think I've ever yeah. had so many games that I needed to rush off and play after an interview before. It's very exciting. <laughs> okay. All um, right. If, if you are, if you are prone to such things, uh, we'll stick with you for now, Reagan. What is your worst rage quit? Um, I like, I suspect there might be some other ones. I mean, definitely doom the roguelike and a lot of roguelikes are, you know, it's cause you kind of, you play for like, an hour or two and then you just get destroyed and it's awful but definitely dark souls uh it's like i played demon souls so much and dark souls i actually restarted three times because the first two times i made it up to you know those archers and an orlando that i they absolutely shoot, like, those, those do big, yeah i yeah. think anyone so, who has got that far is fully uh, fully acquainted so, with those damn archers so <laughs> the first two times i played like, I think I remember, actually, because every time I played, it kind of took me half as long to get there. So, like, the first time was, like, 40 hours in. And I was just like, this is bullshit. He, like, this is just atrocious, and I'm not playing any more of this. I hate it. And then the second time, I, I got there in, like, 20 hours. But it was, like, the same. I just couldn't do it. And then the third time, I actually made it past them. And But actually, now that I think about it, I beat Ornstein and Smo or Smo or whatever. Uh, and But I think I actually... That's where I stopped. I, I haven't beaten Dark Souls. But yeah, I definitely quit and restarted that game uh, a couple times because of that one awful part. It is a pretty brutal part. It is. It yeah. is. I have nothing to suggest. Um, how about you, uh, Mir? What, are you prone to rage quits? What was your worst? Um, I'm not really as prone, I don't think. Um, I mean, I can remember lots of frustrating moments like um when me and my little sister were playing you know any mario game any sonic game there are always moments where you're so frustrated you just need to walk away and i think i mean it happens in when we're playing m plus plus also because we have to test um a lot well we have to test everything but we have to test a lot of co-op levels that get really 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 tough and it definitely uh i've definitely gotten to a point where i don't want anything to do with it anymore <laughs> um but yeah i mean i guess over the years i've just gotten better at just like taking a break you know and actually that's a pretty good strategy for n plus plus if you just take a break go for a walk or you know grab a beer or whatever that calms you down yeah. and gives you a bit of space from it then you can come back to it and often like at least with M plus plus, often I'll nail a level on my first try after I've taken a nice calming break. Oh, absolutely! I, th I think that that that's I find that a lot with with games, and I think it is because as much as you're walking away, you're always thinking about that. If, if something's been <laughs> bugging you that long, it's it's in your brain, and you play it oh, over yeah. so many times in your head that you go back and you just okay, I can do it. Brilliant, because you've kind yeah. of built you build it up so much in your head that suddenly it's an absolute breeze. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. I think that's like there's something about that with just in general like learning stuff, like that. That's kind of how it works. You just you bang your head against the wall for ages. And you're like, I'm never going to get this, and then you suddenly do, and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Once you relax and kind of let go. Yeah. Stop stressing. Absolutely. Um, life lessons. Life lessons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh yeah. Okay. Well, this the, we'll stick with the, with the with the laughter. Um, May, what games have really made you laugh? Um. So we used to play um a lot of like I I guess competitive and cooperative games when we were in university with our friends Heather and Dale. Like we would just go over to their apartment and hang out. And so we played a lot of Jump and Bump, which is like a really old, was it for DOS or just Windows? I think it was like 99. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's true. It was, so like, it, was, it was around then. Yeah. So definitely Windows. Um, like single screen platformer where you're a rabbit? Yeah. And you can all play on the keyboard and mouse together. Okay. Um, and you just like jump on each other's heads and then they each rabbit explodes into like a lot of really guts, bloody gibbs, yeah. eyeballs. And I don't know. I guess... <laughs> When you've been hanging out for hours. It's fun. Especially yeah, when you do fun. a chain where you like stomp on three people in a row. It's amazing. Oh, so good. Yeah. And then I really love, like there are a lot of glitches and things in Skyrim that um, oh, the, I really find the absolute best. The absolute so good. best. Uh, yeah. So um, there are so many moments. And there's, uh, there's a series of games that I think they're about to release on DS, but... They were just like freeware Japanese games uh, that we found on the web, like in the early 2000s, called Cutter. Okay. Uh, K- oh, yeah. K U T A R. They're just like pretty simple little timing games. They're like it's a, it's like just slightly more complicated than WarioWare. But the the what's hilarious about them is that when you die or make a mistake and it's game over, there's this the game freezes and then there's this air sound and your sprite doubles in width. Like you just become fat. It's, so it doesn't. It's, it's so just absurd. Stupid, yeah, it yeah. makes no sense. But it, it's silly and <laughs> it, it's really, really, really funny. And when you play like thirty-five different cutter games in a row, and that same it thing happens, happens. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. <laughs> oh man, that, that's amazing. Again, that's another one to add to the list. This is this is you, you're you're taking up my whole weekend here. This is exciting. All right. Um, <laughs> Okay, so we'll go back to we'll go back to the making end then. So, like, at what point, I guess, did did it start to feel like, oh, hey, this is a this is a real thing. We can we can put this out now. Well, so there was this contest that we were trying to enter. So in like two thousand three, we had all these different experiments, and we wanted at that point really to finally finish something. Uh, and then there was this flash game contest. Uh, for flash in the can and we were like okay this deadline's in what six weeks we can do this we're gonna submit a game it's gonna be amazing and blow everybody away and so we started kind of putting things together and making levels and um one of the major breakthroughs i think in the game coming together was when we replaced the collision circle which was representing the ninja at the time with the actual ninja animation Okay, like, it really came to life. Yeah, it yeah. was incredible how that changed the way the game feels just, to play. It made it fun to run and jump. Yeah. I can I, I think there were two other moments. Okay. One was our friend Scott uh was our first play tester. He doesn't even really play games. Uh but it's like he got obsessed with trying to beat this one level in oh, end. Yeah. Like he played it for like an hour. Uh like we just kind of left. <laughs> And like we went and hung out with our friends and then we came back and he's still so like definitely that made us think like, oh, good. We're not the only people who think it's fun to yeah, play. Yeah, there's something there. And then I mean, I mean, that's it from like 
when it when we released it, it really took a couple of years before it spread. Yeah, because uh, that affirmation contest, we did not win. Yeah, we didn't. E- okay. we did not even play. We, we didn't make it to the finals. Even the because... winner was Starsky and Hutch Pinball. So, oh, so what? we kind of yeah. yeah. I, don't I know. mean, it to was... be fair, that is a classic. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still playing it right now. But like, I, I think like about a year after it came out, uh, we were living with uh, our friends, uh, uh, Kate and Dale, and um, like in a two bedroom apartment. And they had, uh, they're from Halifax, it's like the east coast of Canada. Anyways, they had friends who were in a band who were like touring Canada and they were going to crash uh, on our couch while, when they passed through Toronto. Okay. So we're hanging out with them and the drummer takes me aside. He's like, I got to show you this cool game. And then he like boots up N. No and he's way. Like, That's, that didn't no, 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 happen. No, no, no. I swear. Because no, no, no. It, it, it totally did. Because at the time I was like, I assumed our roommates like put him up to it. Or at least told him about the game. Yeah, yeah, but no, it was just so like that to me was when I realized like, oh wow, like we we made something that people like because it's like that's this, an this amazing cool rock star guy that's like in a band and he's you know and yeah it was it was like definitely I still remember that that feeling of like wow like this is I mean really at at the time I felt like this is a prank. But <laughs> once I, once I determined that it wasn't a prank, then it was cool. Really okay. I've it. got so many follow-up questions. Uh, what, what was the, who were the band? Oh my God. I don't remember. Oh, the Burdocks. Yeah. Is maybe that? the Burdocks. The yeah. Burdocks. Like at what point did you say I made that game? Or we made that game. Uh, pretty like within the first 30 seconds, I was like, are you kidding? Look at the credits. And it's like, I'm like, look, it's Marin Reagan. It's, we made it like, Hello. yeah, he didn't believe when I was like, I, I think I said, like, are you kidding? Like we made it. He was like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, check the credits page. I'm glad that we put the credits page in because it was a nice moment. Oh, man, that is so exciting. That is so exciting. So, but yeah, did you, was there not kind of um, like metrics? Like, was there no way of you telling kind of, you know, you put it into this competition, I guess you just kind of put it mm. online. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, we uploaded it to our website, but we didn't really have like the thing is it got spread like people would upload it to their website and stuff and it got ripped. So it, like okay. some like less scrupulous flash portals, it didn't run very well unless it, it didn't run well in a browser, only standalone. So we we didn't want it in a browser, but some people figured out how to extract the game from the EXE and then put it in a browser. So, uh, yeah, we didn't really know how many people were playing it. I, yeah. honestly that like it was only emails like we would uh like initially it was just like once a month and then it became more like people would write and be like i really like this game are you gonna are you gonna add more to because like the first version was really bare bones like, yeah. there was like 25 or 50 levels it was pretty simple and it was it all it's it was only like through working on it part-time for a couple years that we we added like hundreds more levels and a bunch of new features and the leaderboards. Yeah, and exactly. The high scores. So, it, but the only reason we did that was because people would write and it was just so inspiring and encouraging to us uh, to feel like, I don't know, that people understood what we were doing or that they, they liked it. Yeah, it was, they got it too. It was so rewarding. That's amazing. So, but what were you oh. doing in the in- intervening period then though? Like, you know, after the game has come out and you're like, okay, we didn't win that competition like, were you we just had, working on another game? Or did you start on something else? Uh, well, we had just graduated. Um, I think we were, like, we definitely had We had jobs. shit jobs. Yeah. Basically, like, shitty office jobs. Just to pay rent and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, we, we did start 
on a game right after end, but that we didn't really oh, yeah, finish right. it. Ultra Magnetic, mm -hmm. which is it's like a zero gravity platformer where you can run on any surface. But the problem with that game was that uh, do you know the game Camel Tree? I don't. It's another one uh, for the list. It's it's like a it's like an arcade game. It's, it's, I think you're, you'd probably be familiar with the genre. It's kind of like you're navigating an object through a maze that you can rotate. Oh, yeah, yeah. like, like Cura, Cura, Cura in. Exactly, like that. yeah. yeah. That's sort of, but, but the thing about Camel Tree is that you, you can spin the whole level 360 degrees, and same with Ultramagnetic, and it's, it just makes you nauseated. Like, for both of us, we would just get headaches and feel dizzy. So it, yeah. we kind of gave up on that it one. It sort of forced us to stop working on it. But, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. Like for, I mean, I think it was just working on improving N is what we did for, like the the few years after we released it, and then yeah, like and I, I think we were always kind of working on like other experiments too. Yeah, yeah like the grappling hook game was definitely something we kept, uh, yeah, kept working on. But you weren't like necessarily like, oh, let's go and try and get a job in video games. It was just like, oh, we just we like making these things and that's that's fun. Yeah. I mean, again, like we didn't we weren't aware that getting a job in video games was even a thing in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, in hindsight, when we went to GDC for the first time in 2005, uh, we did meet some other Toronto game developers like Cappy. And uh, Pseudo Interactive, who aren't around anymore, they, they were probably the biggest studio in Toronto at the time. But like, honestly, we just didn't, we didn't even consider that. Like, uh, the thing that made us start thinking about making games as a job was going to GDC, and then uh, in 2006 we went to Slam Dance, which is like the precursor to IndieCade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was like the most inspiring experience. I think it was just kind of like a weekend in a room with like a dozen other uh, game developers, but everyone there was so just talking with them uh, was amazing. And there was such a range like Ian Bogos was there with uh, the Kinko's game. I think it was, I forget uh, which one, or was it the, the secure? No, I think it was the Kinko's game. Was it? Oh yeah. Maybe. And uh, also there's a, a game called rumble box that was made by a couple people that uh, went to work uh, at, double fine in valve later on but it was just like it was just like and like the orbacular job oh yeah the, the orbacular drop team oh, amazing, and also yeah. uh genova chen's whole team oh, was cloud, there with yeah. cloud and so we were just like we like it, it wasn't super heavily trafficked so it was essentially like a weekend of hanging out with all these people it's, it's just like a huge diverse range of people making games and that was really when we thought like we should maybe try to keep doing this like professionally because it would be awesome if we could keep making games but what probably like, yeah. to go in the first place though like surely you would have been thinking that to go to these things oh, oh well we, we got like n was one of the games like one of the finalists or whatever like one of the um yeah it ended up winning the audience choice award uh oh, that must have felt really good yeah it yes, was super awesome the, the, our igf award was also audience choice so we definitely we were super happy in slam dance i have to say our game was the closest to the door, so it was often the first game people played. So I, I suspect that that may have given us a slight statistical advantage. That's but, probably true, but it was pretty far away from the ballot box, too. That's like, true. We did have to, like, you had to walk around the entire room to get to the ballot box, so <laughs> I don't know. So how, was that just through a process of you guys just, you know, keeping improving the game and then entering it into more things? 
Or did that yeah. just come up like through word of mouth, I guess? Did that guy in a band go go to the IGF and say, you need to check out this game? Uh, no, I, like the IGF was something like that we were, we'd become aware of it in like 2003 or four. And we were really like, it sounded amazing. Yeah, we were, we were, it was so cool for us to feel like, because freeware was pretty isolated. Like there wasn't really a community. It was more just games on websites that you would play. Yeah. So the IGF was the first sense of, oh, there's a community. There's like uh, sort of an establishment. There's people. Plus every year there were all these really good games to play. Yeah, super yeah. inspiring games. And so we were like, all right, maybe we should enter our game in that. Because at that time it had already become a top dog on Home of the Underdogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which we submitted it for as well. That was like really It was really, too. yeah, we were really proud of that. We, like, we actually submitted to Slamdance in 2005, but it didn't get in. But then we just kept making the game better. And so it did get in 2006, which is really cool. I, I, I spoke to um, Edmund McMillan uh, a few episodes ago, a bunch of episodes ago, actually, and, and the IGF for him was, like, th that exact same thing. It was like, oh, my God, other people make video games. And the thing that, like, amazed me was how, particularly with, like, the first couple of years of IGF, how basically everybody went on to become, you know, for real video game developers making these amazing games. It just it was yeah. such a small community, but so prolific. And, like, I think probably, as you said, everybody you know, makes everybody else better. You know, it's a really exciting community to be in. Definitely. Yeah, uh, actually, 2005 was the year he was there for Gish and we were there for N. So like, that's when we, when we met him. Uh, that's amazing. And that was, and his partner at the time, uh, Alex Austin, who's like, he's probably the most underrated and inspiring game developer in existence right now. Yeah, like he, he really is taking PC games to like places that no one else is taking them and it's and he i don't know it's just like he, he's like a, a game developer's game developer it's like anyways <laughs> he, uh definitely uh meeting edmund and alex was really inspiring because like gish was like we were showing our friends at university gish uh and being like check this game out like three people made this game and like it's so amazing it's so imaginative like the the, actually, sorry, to get back to Al uh, Alex Austin, he's invented, like, three genres of game. Uh, he invented bridge-building games. He made the first bridge-builder. He invented physics platformers with Gish. Uh, and he invented uh, physics-based puzzle games. Like, he had sort of a physics-based Tetris game. I need to check this guy out. During this period, though, then, like, while you're kind of, you know, essentially, you know, becoming video game developers and, you know, finding this whole community, were you... I mean, you just mentioned like Gish was something you were kind of evangelizing to people. So were there kind of a bunch of games that you were playing during this period that you were like, oh, my God, this is amazing, like really inspiring stuff? Yeah, I mean, it, that was kind of like 2004 and five. There was a lot of freeware like caves. That's when Cave Story came out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, I think it so wasn't good. translated for a few years, but or Ikachan too. Yeah, Ikachan was like the the first game by a pixel. So good. Um, Kenta Cho, he made a bunch of freeware procedurally generated shoot 'em ups. Oh, the were, amazing shoot 'em ups. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like also is the abstract graphics in some of them are just like like he has one that's everything is made out of rectangles and it looks gorgeous. Um and Jumper is another actually by uh Matt Thorson who made uh, went on to make Towerfall. But he he like N and Jumper both came out within a month of each other. So there must have been something in the water cuz Jumper's another like really hard kind of platformer. Yeah. Um I definitely remember playing a lot of that. And Ikiki, 
He's another uh, Japanese freeware developer, I-K-I-K-I. He, he's made dozens and dozens of games. He has a really cool, uh, really unique kind of MS Painty kind of style. Um, and I think, I don't know when Cactus started. Like, maybe that was like 2006 or seven. but I definitely remember Cactus was super inspiring. Um, like, uh, like there, I'm sure I'm forgetting some people. Yeah. But I can't remember there, the Yeah, there's just like a lot, like a ton of, really cool uh freeware happening at that time and were you was that what you were like both kind of focused on like or did you still have like a playstation 2 or an xbox or something no we hadn't really got any new consoles i mean i no. i think we had a gamecube um yeah in like 2004 or 5 yeah but not that many games we were mostly on like freeware at that point because we yeah we didn't like the the first new console we got was like in 2007, when we started working on N+, we got a 360. And that was, like, blew our minds. Because I don't think we even had a PlayStation 2. No. Like, one of our roommates had one. So we saw a few games that way. But, yeah, that, that was kind of... That was when another period where we were kind of all about the free PC games. Have you gone yeah, back, though? Because uh, the PS2 yeah. is amazing. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, definitely, we have... We've, we've made a point of, like trying all of i spent like a lot of them are are uh, downloadable on on ps3 or were downloaded you know via psn yeah 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 uh, so and and like we definitely made like we've gone through lists of like i think yeah like uh i remember steambot chronicles and like just like we tried to find all the the obscure like really cool niche uh ps2 games that we missed i'm sure we still miss like a ton because there were so many so at what point then did you kind of, I guess, quit your day jobs, Is, is the, the, to, to use a cliche? Um, I think I got laid off in like 2006-ish. And so for a year or two, we were doing like flash uh, contract programming work. Okay. Uh, so we made some, you know, shitty web games. Yeah. Um, I, we learned a lot. Yeah. Yes. I think I quit in 2007. Um, and then I, the way that like, like really when we quit our jobs or like when we folk, when we started making games professionally was with N plus where, um, Jamie Cheng, uh, from clay, uh, he was in a meeting cause he was getting his game eats on uh, Xbox live arcade. And, um, the guy who, from Microsoft he was meeting with Ross Erickson was addicted to N and Jamie's Canadian too. So Ross is like, oh, you're from Canada. Do you know the people that made N? Uh, but what's funny is Jamie actually did know us because he was a member of that Flipcode game dev forum. And so I had oh, chatted amazing. with him about physics and collision and stuff a few times. So he knew me. And uh, so he and also I believe his agent, essentially, he put us in touch with his uh, agent uh, who became our agent. And then we started meeting with Microsoft and I think it took like a year or two to actually get the ball rolling, but like essentially then we got uh, a loan from the government to start N plus and then we teamed up with Slick Entertainment and made it. Very exciting. That guy from Microsoft is pretty lazy that he has to go through an <laughs> intermediary if you you know your email is right there. <laughs> yeah, I think it was more like it just came up or it was just he just thought of it. But he was it was just something I guess he was playing a lot of it just then and he it came to mind. I don't know. 
but yeah, that, that's right that, that must have been an exciting day then like to you know oh we're, we're official now we're, we're a company we're making video games i uh, think at the time yeah. we thought it was kind of like selling out to charge for a game or to yeah. make a game for the xbox like for a publisher and all we, that stuff we definitely felt very conflicted about it but also uh similar to that uh flash games competition it was a bit anticlimactic because what what actually happened was he got put us in touch with him. So he he emailed us, and I think it was like uh, it was GDC 2006. He was like, "Do you want to meet and and talk about you know making a version of N for Xbox?" And we we're like, "Okay," but he never showed up. Oh no! <laughs> and so and it, it wasn't until like the next year that we actually had. So it, like at the time we were excited, sort of, and then the meeting fell through. We we're like, "Oh well, I guess it's not going to happen." And then it it eventually did. So that was cool. But yeah, we definitely had a lot of arguments about like i guess we were just we we're very into freeware we're into you know diy and we were like idealistic young people yeah, we were very idealistic yeah. we weren't really caring about you know the practical aspects of running and i mean honestly we kind of looked or at least i did kind of looked down on xbox people as being kind of people with bad taste because in our minds like all the great games were freeware like cave story had you know it's like uh, it just so it says i'm assuming we, this is before the kind of the xbox live arcade sort of renaissance when basically all of those early igf games came to xbox live yeah yeah yeah. that was like 2008 that w- like when okay, okay. and plus and plus came out in like february we sort of led the charge yeah really. braid came out in like march or something and then yeah like definitely before that like was just geometry wars was fun and uh, that was about it i think that's ultimately what kind of convinced us to do it that there was this audience that didn't know about all these really great games and like maybe we could help with that we sort of felt like let's show them that there are really fun things that you don't need like cinematic 3d you don't need cuts or talking like there's all kinds of really cool game design and 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 like potential in Stuff you might write off because it's a bit simplistic in some ways. And did you know that all these other games were kind of coming up behind you? Was it was that a very deliberate kind of launch? No, uh, no. I mean, we were supposed to launch in two thousand seven, but uh, we failed cert, and also we got bumped uh, because like some other publisher wanted to publish. But I mean, we knew about Braid because uh, I believe at the experimental gameplay workshop at GDC two thousand six, uh, John Blow like showed. Or we judged it in the IGF. Oh yeah, maybe. we judged it in the IGF, maybe. I think so. Anyways, we'd we'd, we'd seen Braid. It. it was before it had graphics, like it was all placeholder graphics. And yeah. honestly, I remember thinking at the time, like, this is dumb. He should just release it because it's exactly the same. Like it's just as good. It's just that the graphics are kind of placeholder, but who cares about graphics? I mean, in hindsight, yeah. the graphics were kind of bad. Like I, Oh yeah, I they were they're awful. But <laughs> it was I think I was a lot more dogmatic about nothing matters but gameplay back then, so I, d- I didn't really care. You've softened on that a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate more, <laughs> you know, the, the whole the whole picture. Yeah. But, I mean, to talk about that, though, like, as much as, like, N Plus is clearly, like, a or N Plus Plus or all of them, in fact, they're clearly very kind of mechanics-focused. They're, they're real, like, I don't want to say gamers games. That's a terrible way to put it. But you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's you know, the gameplay is paramount. They're also, like, incredibly... Uh, stylistic like they're they're beautiful like and and very they seem very deliberately so Uh, was that just a byproduct of 
the focus on the control or, or was it just like was it chanced upon or, or is it as designed as, as as it seems uh it's definitely a combination i mean for sure uh, like wipeout 3 got us into graphic design so we were we by then we knew who the Des- designers republic was um and there was like another like a book we really liked called uh, designer shock there was it was made by the designers that are now called Neubau. okay but, um so we were definitely into vector art and graphic design, and we were using Flash. And the thing about Flash is it has like a beautiful uh, software renderer that does really perfectly anti-alias vector graphics. And everyone else in Flash was doing sprites because that was what was faster. But we thought like it's just dumb, like vectors, no one uses them, but they look so much more interesting to us. And so it definitely was uh, intentional, but it was also a mix of like, flash like the technology we were using lent itself really well to that and thanks so much for saying that because a lot of people say the opposite like we get a lot of like negative comments and reviews and stuff of being like oh it looks like an atari 2600 game and stuff because people don't really appreciate like how hard it is to make something that looks simple sometimes there's definitely a beauty in that kind of simplicity and it is incredibly difficult to get there and make everything still make sense so yeah, we definitely focused on trying to make sure that everything was distinct and you didn't have to think about it when you're playing it. You just knew what you had to do, knew what everything on the level did so that you could progress and, you know, yeah, get through the challenge. It communicated cleanly. And also, like, the anti-aliasing was super important. Like, in hindsight, it really is what helps sell the smooth feeling of the game because, like, it's so precise that fractions of a pixel matter. And if you're using uh, sprites, you don't get fractions of a pixel. Yeah. It's like only if you're using vectors, do you actually get that perfect, smooth, like mathematical precision that you actually need to play at the highest level. Like you, th- those little fractions really count sometimes. So it was definitely like the game design and the technology and the kind of uh, visual aesthetic we were into all kind of dovetailed nicely mm-hmm. so there was no there was no temptation like okay we're going on to xbox let's let's give it a new skin well <laughs> uh, in in fact it was like <laughs> the opposite whereas microsoft wanted us to make it 3d and i like i remember do you remember there was um a loader on a reboot on windows windows 95 uh that had like really detailed uh jungles in I the do. background i absolutely like do so that was like they pitched to us. What if you did like that? And so we had to like meet with them and explain if if N looked like that complicated visually, you'd never be able to play it because you need to be able to read the entire scene immediately. Sometimes in your peripheral, like you you, you need the visual information has to be stripped to only what's relevant because we use all of like we we pack the thing. It's dense with enemies and and they're all moving and you have to keep track of it. So definitely there was a lot of back and forth. And honestly, we're not super happy with the way that N plus looks for like, there was a lot of budget and time constraints, but also there was pressure to make it kind of look more. Yeah. Next gen and detailed and stuff. So that's like with N plus plus, we're really happy to be in control and to be able to do exactly what we wanted because that was like, we're really happy with how N plus plus turned out because it's sort of like, this is the vision we had always tried to get to. And a lot of people were kind of taken aback because it's kind of a, it's like less detailed visually than N plus. But to us, we think it just makes the game better and it, it looks better. It looks more beautiful and we hope a bit more timeless. That, that I think that is a real key thing is, is the, how timeless that it, it looks like. I think a lot of 
still to me some of the most timeless games are the the early uh vector arcade machines like a pong or a tempest or something like mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine you probably have but like seeing those like for real with a proper like the proper oscilloscope display is just that they're it's so futuristic and, and amazing to look at still like they're, they're, yeah. they're totally timeless the the smoothness and the precision is definitely like it, yeah it's just totally different it, yeah it, it looks like nothing else it makes it feel Absolutely. kind of like alien technology yeah and so is it um did did your enjoyment of making it change because you've been making it for, like forever not forever but you've been making like <laughs> versions of oh, it yeah. for, for a long it time like, like right i mean i'm sure it's, the it's... the shift from you know doing it for fun to doing it for a job that's obviously going to have certain um that's going to change the way you approach it i suppose but but has it always been kind of enjoyable uh it's waxed and waned yeah it definitely uh has been thoroughly not enjoyable at times like when we were making n plus so it came out on xbox live arcade but it also came out on ds and psp with that was another team made it but they it turned out uh, did not make levels up to our incredibly high standards, admittedly. But so we had to take over that and we had to make what, like a thousand, a thousand. We levels. made like a thousand levels in the summer of 2007. So just a couple months. It's, it was a nightmare. It's it actually the levels look simple sometimes, but they take quite a lot of time to create and, and test, to test and, and to polish. Pol- like you, you play through them like dozens and dozens of times. Definitely like. We were so bur- like N plus made us so burnt out on the game that yeah. we didn't really get back into it until like 2011 or 12. Yeah, and like because we were just sick of it. But then like then we kind of we all like making N levels. It's just kind of it's like it's like uh, sort of going back to an earlier metaphor, like you're like jamming on guitar, right? Where it's kind of like it's not so hard, but you can still be quite creative and it's just it's like a fun kind of mix of play and creativity so it's something that we had always done up until we got really burnt out and so when we found ourselves starting to get back into it and um that kind of rekindled our enthusiasm for it um and and that's when we sort of because like a lot of what N++ was about was like we knew we could do a much better job than N+. We had learned so much in like the six years or whatever since it come out um and and we always kind of felt like disappointed or like we i guess the thing is you can kind of tell by the game it's all about perfectionism and that's kind of like we're perfectionists so yeah we knew we could do better and we we just wanted to like make the as close as asymptotically perfect as possible uh so that we could kind of be done with it because as much as we do like it it has always been kind of this thing that's looming over us and we've made like a handful of like we have some in progress games that we're working on but nothing has really been as fun to play for us as n and it's kind of been it's just been a bit uh a bit of a thing so we kind of wanted to kind of do do it right and and kind of put the idea to bed and and like the final word yeah and like there were lots of new generations of gamers and new consoles and things that we thought you know what these people need to know about this game also so we're just going to do this we're going to try to port to whatever we can and but that's going to be the last one because there's literally nothing else we can add to it never never again (laughs) yeah that was one of the internal and all i mean honestly it's a bit petty but i kind of wanted to have the last word on super meat boy 
because <laughs> like yeah i could just because like definitely when edmund made the like flash version of meat boy it was based on n and it just kind of irked me that so many people that like i because I, I just honestly feel like it's not it's it's it was a regression in a lot of ways right in terms of the movement mechanics and everything it's just it's much more of a straightforward platformer it's not like it's not as weird and quirky and and when we we were hoping like people would be inspired by and it would make lots of weird stuff but it kind of everyone instead the lesson everyone seems to have taken is make it really hard and no one really got the subtlety or like the nuance of it or anything like that yeah and like move away from damsels in distress also. yeah yeah that was another thing where it's like we were kind of we really were proud of the story in n and how it, it just abstracted it got rid of a lot of things that we thought it's like games don't you know games don't need lives anymore yeah so let's get rid of them games don't need like yeah a woman that you rescue and so it was kind of like seeing uh super meat boy come out and like garner so much so many accolades it definitely we kind of felt like well we need to remind people like there's there's yeah there are alternatives yeah absolutely um what sort of games sort of over the past couple of years have kind of or have there been games over the past couple of years that that have kind of invoked that same sense of wonder and excitement that they they would have done you know when you're in your late teens and early 20s because it's that classic sense of you know all of your your formative things are kind of between the age of like sixteen and twenty three, twenty four, and it's hard to recapture that same level of like like that 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 album or that film that really completely shifts your your brain and your understanding of things. Um, well, I definitely do remember playing Braid and feeling that way distinctly. Like, oh, this is so mind blowing. Like the solutions to these puzzles is so amazing that I remember what it was like to play like Super Mario when I was a kid and okay. getting that same satisfaction for sure. Um, because I guess it, you know, Braid obviously has been inspired by platformers, but it definitely brought something completely new to the way it did the puzzle. So I found that super cool. Um, but more recently than that, we both spent a lot of time playing Dream Quest a couple years maybe last year last year and the year before and that was amazing because i'd never I, you know like i've played a couple of card type games before but yeah. never quite like that and once you get over the graphics and once you like keep playing for a while and start to get better at it it's so deep and so strategic and so cool like it was unbelievably cool so i really got into that for quite a long time yeah <laughs> i don't think i've beat it though you've gotten farther than me because you beat that yeah i last... think i've done almost everything but there are the really I, there are a few really hard ones i haven't gotten yeah but that was just like oh this is a completely new thing to me this is amazing uh for me definitely spelunky uh it's still like it has to be one of the best games ever made like in the top five for sure uh just every aspect of it is brilliant and it just works. It clicks. It sings. Uh, so definitely, like, Spelunky, like I, like, I actually played a lot of it, like, the freeware version, but I never, I didn't, it's the, it was, the controls were so awkward. It, it wasn't until it was on a, I could play it with a controller, like, yeah, the, absolutely. the HD version, that, that, to me, like, that's when it really became, like, the ultimate game. Um, 
And more recently, like I've been really uh, kind of burnt out on indie games for the past few years. And just like the most recent thing that blew my mind was Hyper Light Drifter. Because oh, so I kind of, I, I hadn't played, like, I think I, I played it like, when was it? Like, I don't know. Like, I played it like about a year after it came out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I just, I wrote it off as one of those, like, oh, it's just like the latest hype zeitgeist indie thing that it's like because all those games it's like you, you play them you're like why is everyone going crazy about this it's not special but hyper light drifter absolutely is special it's like unbelievably special every aspect of its design is is gorgeous and you can tell the love that was poured into it and it's just so distinct like i i kind of wish that it was procedurally generated or something because like i've I just played it to death at this point. Yeah. But it, that was definitely a game that really, to me, rekindled my inspiration for making games. And, and just, it, it really made me feel like, okay, there are still people that care about game design and that, like, that don't see story and narrative as the meaning of games and that see that, like, visual aesthetics and music should like absolutely they can be gorgeous but they should support the game they shouldn't replace the game yeah um and i just the way that every it's like it's firing on all cylinders it's inventing new cylinders to fire on like it's just every the way that everything sings together that in spelunky just to me like i mean from like a as a game developer it's very intimidating because it's kind of like <laughs> am i ever going to come close to making anything near as good as these things but it's also really inspiring because just to, to see like how much space there is left like in in the sort of you know the traditional action adventure yeah. you know nintendo super nintendo genre that i think a lot of people have moved on and it's all about movies or it's all about like autobiographical poems and it's so it's nice <laughs> to see kind of classic because to me it's like miss pac-man tetris you know it's like there's something about pure minimal game design absolutely where you can understand all the components but the way that they work together is magical and i i just feel like that that to me is video games it's something really integral and it's special and distinct and unique and it's it's so heartening to me that people are still uh pushing in that direction uh yeah no it's, it's amazing like. i i actually i, I said that uh, i spoke to alex on the show uh, about hyperlight drifter and like i'd said at the time it was one of the first games i'd played in years that really felt um like like other like i didn't really understand it i did the, the the way there was like you know no text or anything like that as simple as that is it just the whole thing felt like a brand new thing that I, I a real genuine alien world like not with just like a bunch of aliens but like i don't really understand this properly yet and it was so yeah. exciting and i hadn't had that since you know like super nintendo or something like the very first time i played an rpg i was like oh this is amazing it yeah, it's so, so exciting, so clever, and it must have been like a lot of work. But also, to me, actually, just I'm just remembering uh, we were talking about Super Mario World. The way that the secrets are such an integral part of the game, and the way that they work, it's it's just genius. Because like the key problem in that sort of isometric perspective is is that you always get these awkward things where you're not sure where you can go. You, you know, because yeah, there's that that 3D ambiguity, and I just love how they did like a judo toss with it, where instead of it being this awkward liability, they actually made it one of the best parts of the game, where they use that ambiguity, like as a 
as a game mechanic. It's it's just like I don't know. It's it's that kind of it's just super cool. Like it really really tremendous work. I'm delighted to hear you're so enthused. Um, so so what what are you guys kind of thinking about for the future? Like is it you don't have to like tell me what you're working on, but like is it kind of are you sick of 2D platformers? Are you going to try and branch out into other genres? Um, we're not sick of them, but we do feel like commercially, it's a much harder proposition these days because it's so saturated. Like, yeah. we just feel like uh, it's hard to sell a platformer. We still like, I mean, that's my favorite kind of game, and I hope that we always make them and work on platformers, but it might be more of a like hobby than like a product that we're going to sort of take to market. Yeah, I think, um, you know, like most game developers, we have a long list of things that we really want to work on and tons of tiny ideas that we want to get back to. And I think that's mainly what we're going to be spending our time on is just getting back to those early days when we just tried things that we thought would be cool just to see what it was like and then see what develops out of that. Like we do have some ideas in the works right now that we are more like we sort of know where we want to go with them. Um, like we've prototyped before office Yeti and robotology, and we really want to get back to those at some point. Um, but I think it's fun just to play around with tiny things and see what the game wants to be, see what's fun about it and yeah. be able to go down that. Once path. we finally wrap up N plus plus, we're definitely going to spend a year just doing little tiny prototypes to kind of, explore and see what is interesting i mean like the main thing we're doing right now is we've like flash is dead so we've we're migrating to unity so we're just kind of getting to grips with 3d finally and uh you know it's actually like so far it's pretty much literally the same as flash like it feels identical in terms of it's it's easy to use and it has all this uh built-in stuff that makes it very very easy to get started. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, in, like, Flash was all 2D, and Unity had sort of the 3D analogs of all those helper functions. So it, it's it's good so far. And are you both still excited and enthusiastic about video games? I think so. I mean, it's definitely changed, because we're a lot different and older than <laughs> we were when we started. And, <laughs> like, the entire industry is so different now. So we're certainly... We've certainly softened on a lot of issues. We're definitely not as idealistic and like arrogant as we were 10 years ago. But I think in exchange, we're also a lot more experienced and we've thought a lot more about games and what we want to do. And like our business has always not really been about business first. Like you have to make money to pay rent, but it's really about what do we want to do that is fun? What do we think is compelling? Like why are we doing this? Because we want to make something that we enjoy. That yeah, we, we want to play people. a game that doesn't exist. Yeah. And so we're, we have to make it. Yeah. So that's, and the definition of what game we want to make has certainly changed over the years, but I think we're still enthusiastic about making something cool that we think is cool. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's definitely varied. There's good and bad days. Certainly like the, the way that the industry seems to be, I mean, it it's, uh, it's alarming for a tiny team like us because it seems like it's a replay of the nineties where the sort of the small people die out and it's purely about big teams because 
everyone there's so much competition you need those over the top production values and you need six figure marketing budgets and stuff that we can't really like not only are we not interested in competing in that way we we couldn't even if we wanted to yeah so uh definitely it's a bit it's a bit alarming like long term we're not really sure what our plan is but for the next year or two we're definitely excited to like to keep making games and and uh, see now that we finally have gotten n off of our back like what else <laughs> what else there is out there well, I, I for one, am extremely excited about whatever you're, you're working on next, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, Thank you. I, th- I think that's a nice place to, to wrap up. Um, if, if there's anything, though, that you know you wanted to mention that, that hasn't come up, or if you just want to let people know where they can find your, your brilliant games on the internet, please please take this opportunity now. Uh, well, you can check out uh, metanetsoftware.com or nplusplus.org that's n-p-l-u-s-p-l-u-s.org um does somebody else own n plus plus the actual figures uh presumably there must that must have been why we did it yeah we just kind of we're opposed to squatting and we refuse to pay for url because that's it's just like such a sick behavior that we don't want (laughs) to reward it so fair enough um i think that's about Um, it was that okay for you guys is that fun yeah, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Oh, a synchronized response. That was amazing. <laughs> no, we didn't mean to do that. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. I, honestly, that was that was that was really so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I think that'd be a really good episode.